Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Trey, heads or tails? Let's go tails. And? It's tails. It's tails. I bet that was a treat for the listener. Give me the ball. I, I hope so. I hope they got the whole effect. The, the single listener. Yes. Yes. All right. Fun redraft question for Dynasty Pod. Uh, but let's admit, we all play redraft. So this question bleeds into the Dynasty landscape anyway. Without further ado, who are you taking first in redraft? Trey, Brees Hall, or Dalvin Cook? Oh, yeah. Um, man, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> I will stay Brees Hall for now just out of um, a little bit of that's what my rank was by like a lot before he signed today. But I I think it's pretty arguable. I mean, you could argue that Dalvin's the better pick. I just think Brees Hall is probably a little bit better at football today and a little bit better upside. And I'm hoping that injury isn't too serious this year. Yeah, I, it was it was too easy to ask for dynasties, so why not cop out and ask for redraft, Tarek? I like it. What do you so, think? Yeah, for for the listener that doesn't know, or the single listener that doesn't know, singular uh, we're, we are recording this podcast about like an hour and a half after the news broke that Dalvin Cook signed with the Jets, hence the question here. Uh, I mean, I'm going to still stick with Brees Hall. Uh, if I'm drafting and redrafts, I'll probably still draft Brees Hall like in the fourth round. I think he's like going in the third round right now, so probably can't necessarily get him in the fourth round. But I'm definitely not drafting Dalvin Cook until like the eighth. So, yeah, give me Brees Hall. I could see I could see the Dalvin Cook ADP jumping up. Sorry, sorry, Marles. Oh, <laughs> but I could good. see the, the Dalvin Cook ADP jumping up to like the sixth round or something. So I don't think eighth round is going to be an option, but what do I know? Yeah, but I'm saying where I value these guys, right? So I would, I would pull the trigger on Brees in the fourth round in a kind of run of the mill um, redraft league, which is usually going to be one QB. Um, I feel like redraft uh, is still skewing heavily towards one QB. (laughs) So I, I'd still I'd still take him in the fourth, and then yeah, I, I I wouldn't pull the trigger on Dalvin Cook until probably the eighth round. It's interesting though because I I mean it's all it's incentives up to eight million dollars. You know, like I, I think what the Jets have been saying is that when Brees Hall is healthy, he's their workhorse. But uh, do you guys think that this changes anything? Like, how do you feel like this news is affecting your perspective? Like that you maybe weren't thinking about. 24 hours ago well yeah they kind of teased us with this before we we knew this was possible if not probable so i don't know Brees hall was he tore his acl right like it's it's gonna take him some time to ease back in and i think this this all makes sense dalvin cook signed a one-year deal and we expect him to play the primary running back role for the first eight weeks right and then what and then probably towards the end of the season, towards the playoffs, they ease Brees Hall back in and Brees becomes the guy. But ideally, I bet you, I mean, it's the Jets, right? They're going for it. They got Aaron Rodgers. They they want to win the Super Bowl. So they're probably going to keep Brees Hall healthy is what yeah. I would say they're going to do. And they're going to abuse Dalvin Cook. So I'm actually against what you guys are saying. I'm taking Dalvin Cook over Brees Hall in redraft 
why not right Dude, they get a, totally they get fair, a year man. of rental why not use his ass while Brees heals and i think that, that's what they're gonna do that's totally fair i i think dalvin cook is probably this is weird to say but maybe the higher floor pick at this point whereas like hall has more of the ceiling but i think you could argue it either way so i, I don't hate it so furthermore i would then buy Brees hall <laughs> Like kind of in the season yeah, when he's not doing go. shit and get him for the playoffs later. A little little strategy for you. I'm sure no one's thought of it anyway. Bookmark that one for October. Yeah. No, there's not a single person out there on uh, Dynasty Twitter, on <laughs> Dynasty Facebook. You know, not a single person out there has said by Brees Hall uh, in the wake of this news. So you heard it here first, boys. <laughs> oh, right. The singular <laughs> listener must be so pleased. <laughs> He's laughing uh, his fucking ass off. Or or she. What's up, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, come on, man. We know it's Kyle. What the fuck? Is going on, everyone? Welcome into episode 92 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a roundtable discussion about dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tark Angry T. Benchria. With me, per usual, Trey Cryan and Marles Yates. Uh, it's a roundtable discussion about dynasty fantasy football, despite uh, the redraft coin toss. So, Mitch, uh, what's going on, man? Thank you for making it clear that this is a dynasty podcast. That that, that used to be a shtick. Uh, maybe I'll go off on a tangent and we can do it again, but no, the late night podcast where, where we're all a little, little bit more relaxed than usual. I hope the listeners enjoy this one. Yeah, Trey, we're recording a couple hours later than we normally do. So feeling a little, uh, dynasty after dark. Yeah. Welcome to the singular listeners, even the non Kyle listeners to TLG <laughs> after dark. That's we go, right. We go in deep voices. Yeah. The sultry tones <laughs> TLG after dark. All right. I want to jump right into it, guys, because it is my favorite episode of the calendar year, and that is Reputation Players. So we are doing our Reputation Players for the third year in a row. Each year, right around mid-August, we pick a player from each position to stake our reputation on as Dynasty Fake Football Analysts. And before we jump into it, I uh, just wanted to do a quick redux on how last year went for us. So Trey and Mitch, uh, who were your reputation players last year and how do you feel it went in broad strokes? Trey. All right. So my reputation players from one year ago were Deontay Johnson, Tua Tungavailoa, Saquon Barkley, and Zach Ertz. So all in all, I think it was pretty good. I think there were two hits in there with uh, Tua and, and Saquon Barkley. So feeling good about those two. Uh, Zach Ertz was hitting before that knee injury took him out in week 10. Uh, he still finished as the tight end six in points per game. Uh, but, you know, now he's much, much lower now because of the injury. And Deontay, Deontay Johnson, of course, was a massive bust. So uh, call it a, like a two and a half out of four. Yeah, I mean. Tarek, you're grading like it used to. Great. You know, say say what you will uh, about uh, Deontay Johnson being a bust, uh, but I feel like these were either hits, 
an injury or now Deontay Johnson is a buy. So you can you can frame it in any way you like. Deontay you know, Johnson like, was more an edge. I don't think he ever busted. He certainly <laughs> he did edged. not bust into the end zone. That's you're absolutely <laughs> right. He was just edging the Histor- whole time. On the, historically, on the, you said famously. I could call it whatever I wanted, man. <laughs> it is TLG right. after dark after all. That's true. Let's let's keep it moving, Mitch. Who were your reputation players last year? Give me your thoughts. If you guys want a good listen, go back and download episode 65 because I said some wild shit about Allen Robinson, my reputation wide receiver, but the other ones weren't so bad, I guess. Dalton Schultz and J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Dalton Schultz was another whatever. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, we're giving him a TBD because I think he's going to absolutely smash this year, but... Yeah, I, I was, he he gave me the old misdirection on his Twitter last year. I thought he was healthier than he was, but this is the year. Anyway, Justin Fields was probably my biggest hit. Oh, yeah. Um, which, which feels good because that one weighs the most as far as hits go. Uh, he was quarterback 15 or 16 last year, and now he's pretty much consensus quarterback 9, so... I got all my shares last year, and I'm ready for him to break out even further this year. Love it. Yeah, Justin Fields was definitely a big hit. Um, My players were Lamar Jackson, Elijah Moore, Cam Akers, and Dallas Goddard. So a pretty mixed bag there. Uh, For Lamar Jackson, you know, I bet that he was going to become a consensus tier one quarterback through his play in 2022. That looked really smart after about two or three weeks, uh, and then... The rest of the year was kind of a disappointment for Lamar. Um, Elijah Moore, biggest bust on the list for sure. Um, Like I said with Deontay Johnson, I do think he's somewhat of a buy right now, but not going to sugarcoat it. Elijah Moore was not a good call um, as a reputation player. Then Cam Akers and Dallas Goddard. Cam Akers looked horrible for the first half of the year. Back half of the year, he kind of redeemed me somewhat. Um, And then Dallas Goddard, probably the biggest hit of the four, uh, finished as a top five tight end despite the really crowded um, pass-catching core in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts did lift all those boats. It's not about the quantity of the hit. It's the quality of the hit, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? So if it's by the quality of the hit, we'll we'll say that Mitch won because Justin Fields was probably the biggest hit. I do want to echo that we very, very firmly said Saquon Barkley, Trey's reputation running back, was like our certified TLG hit everybody needs to go by right barkley so that was a great call by trey um and i hope that uh people were actioning off of that because his value has definitely gone up in the last year all right guys well uh that's how it went you know mixed bag uh especially for me so you can you know take it or leave it if you want to if you want to believe in my advice then that's fine uh otherwise you know fuck you But without further ado, let's get into it. So let's jump in with the first position here, and that is the quarterback. We're going to start out with Mr. Traceff, who is your reputation quarterback for 2023 in Dynasty. All right, I'm going with the super sexy Kirk Cousins as my reputation quarterback for 2023. So right now in my ranks, he's my QB 17. Uh, That is only three spots higher than keep trade cut. The market's got him at QB 20, but... Uh, I'm going to stake my reputation on this guy. And honestly, it was between Kirk Cousins and CJ Stroud for me, but I just couldn't bring myself to uh, stake the uh, old reputation for whatever that's worth on the uh, rookie quarterback for the Texans. But I digress. So Kirk Cousins, 2022, 18 points per game, uh, which was good for number 11 in the league. And he is now uh, 35 years old going into the 23 season. 
Uh, I really like him this year. I think the pace of play for the Vikings should be really, really fast. I think there's a lot of volume coming uh, Cousins' way. They were the number three offense last year in passing plays per game. I think that trend can really continue because this defense, of course, is in the process of rebuilding. Uh, I know we're not really great at predicting uh, how good or bad defenses are going to be this year, but I think we can say they'll probably be bad enough that we can expect a couple more shootouts for this Vikings team this year. Add on to that, Kirk Cousins has a new weapon. Adam Thielen, dusty old Thielen, is gone in Carolina, and now they've got the first-round rookie Jordan Addison out of USC. So I really like that addition to the offense. And of course, the tight end TJ Hawkinson gets another full year offseason to integrate into that system. Now, even with the zero rushing for Kirk Cousins, which I know a lot of you guys are going to point to, I'm banking on that 21 points per game mark for Cousins this year. And I'm I'm pulling a couple of data points from recent history of non-mobile quarterbacks that hit that mark or got close to it. So Joe Burrow last year, 21.7 points per game. That was good for number four in the league. Tom Brady, for the two years in Tampa, he hit that 21 point per game mark both years. Good for number 10 and number three, those two seasons. And then Matt Stafford, go back to 2021. He just missed it with 20.4 points per game. So I think it's that's sort of like the floor that Stafford season. And I think he can go even higher than that. So to kind of that Joe Burrow range from last year. So if he does that, that puts him in the top six. And that's what I'll put my reputation on. Kirk Cousins, top six points per game season. Right now, you can get him at QB 20. So I'd say that's pretty good value. Kirk Cousins is exciting this year for me. I, I, I really like the way that Addison looked in that first preseason game, too. I, he's easily an upgrade over Adam Thielen. And, you know, the thing about Cousins, though, is, like you said, at the magic number, he's 35. How long is this party going to last? But doesn't really matter. I, I don't think so. I, I think that no matter what, if you're playing a super flex league, he is, you're, you're plugging him into your lineup. Uh, he's a great quarterback, too, especially if you have one of those young like studs in Mahomes or Allen or something like that. If you're plugging uh, Cousins in as your quarterback too, you feel amazing. But for sure, even even if he's your your one, like yeah, you're you're wagering that he's going to have a top six season, correct? Yeah, and that's why- that's an aggressive wager too, considering it's he's he's keep trade cut quarterback twenty, uh, betting on top six is is a, is an aggressive bet, and I think like. I mean, I love it, but I will just say, Trey, if he is a top 12 quarterback, this is a win, right? If he is quarterback 12, quarterback 11 in points per game this season, getting him at quarterback 20 is a big win in a super flex league. So I would say like you're you're even being more aggressive than you need to, but I love it. I'm not going to fight you on it. Well, and the only other thing I'll add is uh, I do think this team, at least the offense, is good enough to be fighting for a playoff spot, especially in that division. So oh, for sure. That yeah. means they're all in with Cousins. And even at that age, that advanced age, I think you're going to get that, I think, 21 points per game. Like I said, not that far out of reach. That's good enough for top six. And he's gotten pretty close to that mark the last th- two or three years. Yeah, I, I want to just confirm my, my beliefs here. So I've done a several startups this offseason and Kirk Cousins looks like he's quarterback 17 on bulletproof on uh, mm-hmm. Deco ADP and that puts him going around the 10th pick in the fifth round and that's about right like he he was going pretty 
pretty damn early. People tend, I, I think that the people tend to have an agreement that he's going to be a force this year. I guess what I just worry about is beyond, uh, well, no, no, honestly, man, I, I don't worry about that. I don't worry about the next two years. I think I, he's I think, a lot, yeah, right? I, I mean, one, it's on keep trade cut, quarterback 20, bulletproof ADP, quarterback 17, reasonably similar prices there. So I think we can kind of keep it in that range, like fifth, sixth round startup pick. I just, well, hang on. What I'm saying is I I don't I I think there's a reason to be worried past this year in terms of his long-term health. And honestly, it's the one like actionable thing I took away from the Netflix series quarterback. Like Kirk Cousins was hurt as fuck all year. Like his body was like dying throughout the course of the year. So, I would not be surprised if like he he does not, you know, make it to that like 38 to 40 range that we saw with, you know, some other guys. Obviously, Tom Brady's the big outlier, but Aaron Rodgers and, and Ben Roethlisberger, et cetera, like Kirk might only be around for another year or two. The only thing I wanted to sprinkle on top here is that there is a big difference. And we brought this up before. There's a big difference in quarterback 17 and in quarterback 15 in startups, that's like a two-rounded difference here. Yeah. So, like, Tua is taken in the third and then – or the fourth, and then you have um, Cousins taken in the late fifth. So, like, right. the, there is a larger degree of separation from quarterback 15 to 17, and I wanted to emphasize that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call-out. All right, uh, Kirk Cousins sounds like we're all pretty much in agreement on his value there. Love the top six call by Trey. Mitch, who's your reputation quarterback? All right, my reputation player is Anthony Richardson. I am staking my reputation that the quarterback for the Colts is going to become an immediate fantasy star, smashing quarterback one numbers all year. I, I really expect him to take this league by storm and skyrocket his way to the top of fantasy draft boards next season. It seems like there are two camps of people, and it's pretty divided on whether or not Anthony Richardson is long for the NFL. So I just want to push my chips in now on the type of player that could be ranked in the top five of overall next next year. The Colts took him fourth overall. Let, let's face it, Minshew is not starting. Richardson runs early and often, and... The thing that he's been showing in camp and just in preseason, the brief glimpse of preseason, that is, uh, is that his pocket reads are better than we expected. And that, to me, tells me that he's going to eventually develop into a passer. But primarily, he's going to be running. And I think that that's, that alone is going to give him quarterback one, top 12 quarterback numbers this year. But he's also going to throw it deep. He's going to take chances. And... I think the price of Richardson only goes up after the season begins. So keep trade cut has Richardson at quarterback nine. Bulletproof ADP has him at quarterback nine. And your friend Marles also has him at quarterback nine. So there's nothing really bold about this take on Anthony Richardson being quarterback nine. I actually hate that it tastes like chalk, but... You guys have Richardson at quarterback 11 and quarterback 13. And Trey even has Bryce and Stroud ahead of him. So I think Trey's playing real football instead of fantasy football, but that's okay. Um, I I think, though, what you should be doing right now, uh, Tarek and I traded for Anthony Richardson. We traded Dak and a third on the draft day, but I think the price has changed uh, pretty significantly since then because of his 
hype during the off season. So I don't know. I, I, I think that I'm going to be trying to trade down from Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields to get Richardson plus a chunk. Maybe that's a, a, a larger chunk. Or I'm trading up from Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, like I mentioned, or even Tua. So I, I think there's a lot of ways to go, and I think you need to do it soon. But I'm going to go ahead and pass the ball to you guys. So I am, I guess, the hater of the group. Uh, I do think um, I, I, certain things you said I, I completely agree with. Like I think it is going to be his team this year. Uh, so I think we're going to see a lot of them. I think he'll have opportunities to prove it early on and probably all season long. Um, I also think that like the, uh, downside risk of his throwing ability was overstated all off season. I know it was probably a contributing voice to that, but, um, that was certainly where I saw the biggest risk. I think maybe more so than just the passing numbers from college. It was just like the lack of game experience from college, uh, that uh, worries me. So, um, I just think there's going to be an adjustment period for him in the NFL, uh, I am kind of projecting his value to decrease a little bit his uh, rookie year. And uh, that gives me reason to think that there might be a buying window open next offseason. Um, so not as bullish as you are, Marles, but um, certain things in there I think I can uh, get behind. You think it'll be kind of like Fields rookie year where you see glimpses, but you don't quite see like the passing completely develop? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Kind of like Fields rookie year or even Hurts rookie year. And then the the I think the 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 upside case is you got to go back in time, probably about 10 years to somebody like uh RG3 or uh Cam Newton. I know we got comp to a lot. Like that's that's I think the upside that you're chasing here with this is guy as your reputation player and I kind of just think the adjustment periods in the NFL might be a little bit steeper for this dude. And I got to say what really compelled me to make him my reputation player and, and bear with me on this one. A lot of his plays just really remind me of Patrick Mahomes when it comes to his almost effortless improvisation and arm strength. Sure. Like I'm, I'm not saying that he's Mahomes, but like he, Mahomes also had questions coming out of Texas Tech, though. Like not completion percentage, but in terms of being like too raw of a project or whatever. The diff is Mahomes got a, a chance to sit behind Alex Smith, I guess, and like I mentioned that Richardson is not going to be starting behind uh, Gardner Minshew. Like, that, that's just not a thing. So there there will be an adjustment period. I agree with you there. But I think that the rushing upside is going to balance that out. And I still think that he's going to be... Like, I think if you're playing one quarterback, you're still starting him every week. Mm. Maybe. I... When it, when it comes to Anthony Richardson, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like, I'm just going to be taking him at market like I because I don't know how it's going to work out like I see the concerns like in terms of like his potential accuracy issues then I see like plays he made in the preseason game like the throw to Kylan Granson was an absolute dart right on the money Um, he made like um, he made an amazing throw down the field to Alec Pierce that didn't end up getting caught but it was a perfect throw so I think there's some signal to the people like Matt Waldman who are saying that his pocket presence is like and what Mitch is saying is better than um, you know maybe some of his detractors are saying but at the same time like I'm just not gonna know until I see it so the upside is so great that I'll take him at market, but I'm I'm not going to be super aggressive on it because I'm I'm a little bit afraid of the downside of him being, you know, the next uh, Trey Lance or whatever. Sure. I, I guess like these were the Jalen Hurts vibes I was getting 
And I know that that's a completely different situation. I know Jalen Hurts was like a second round pick or whatever. But there were a lot of naysayers out there. And it's like, trust your eyes on this one, man. Like, this guy can ball. And I know that the naysayers also bring up the college games against the good defenses. But let's not forget that he's not in college anymore and that he has good offensive coordinators around him. So we kind of got to erase that. Like, yeah, he he didn't look good in a few games in college. And he's not going to look good in a couple games in the NFL. But as I was trying to draw the attention to, it's like we're playing fantasy football and I think this guy is just going to, like, be a video game in this fantasy here. He'll, he'll, he'll definitely look good against those AFC South defenses. No, we are <laughs> bad. Dog. Yeah, Shane, I, Shane Steichen, who was the guy who helped turn Jalen Hurts into what he is now, uh, is now in Indianapolis. So that's that's a good point. I mean, it's it's an interesting comp because Jalen Hurts had so much experience uh, as a college player uh, and just like won everywhere he went versus like Anthony Richardson has so little game started. So I'm it's one of the things I'm going to be watching really closely this year. So. Um, I love the call. Love we got to talk a little bit more about Anthony Richardson. I feel like it's been a while. All right, let's move on to my reputation quarterback, and I'm going with the homer pick. I'm going with Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott, who just turned 30. Um, He was quarterback 13 in points per game last year. In his six other years, he was a quarterback one four times. And then one of the other times where he doesn't really qualify for points per game, he was scoring 27 points per game. Then he then he broke his ankle and then he was quarterback 16 in the sixth year. So he's either been a quarterback one uh, hurt QB 13 or a quarterback 16. Like, you know, more than half of the time he's going to be a quarterback one since he start stepped onto the NFL field. Currently on keep trade cut, he's quarterback 15, 51st overall right behind Jordan Addison. Come on, man. And a super flex league right behind Jordan Addison. Uh, go trade you Jordan Addison for Dak Prescott. But a lot of the talk this offseason, and we've talked about it here, it's been about Kellen Moore moving on and Mike McCarthy uh, taking over the offense with Brian Schottenheimer there as well. You know, and I get the concern there because Kellen Moore, he's a he he plays fast. He's a good young offensive coordinator. We're really excited about him going to the Chargers. But shout out to Graham Barfield, who pointed this out. The Cowboys were 28th in the league last year in early down pass rate. Um, So near the end, you know, the bottom of the league in terms of when they were passing in, you know, uh, situations you'd expect them to run. And the last time Mike McCarthy called plays, and granted that was with Aaron Rodgers, but the Packers were number one in this stat over the last three years of him calling plays. So Shout out to Graham Barfield. I think like Mike McCarthy's tendencies or willingness to run with, you know, Ezekiel Elliott having moved on. I think those fears have been overstated all offseason and Cowboys officials, you know, Cowboys sources are telling people like Dan Graziano and the media that they do not plan to be a run heavy team. If you just look at their personnel, you know, it's Tony Pollard, right? And then deuce vaughn and and malik jackson and ronald jones suspended it's like are you really going to be a super run heavy team with that kind of personnel after adding brandon cooks and having cd lamb um so i think you're letting your tight end walk and letting i mean and drafting a tight end in the second round whatever we think about luke schoonmaker like i mean seriously though like do if we think about their personnel critically do we really think that 
they're going to be a run first team. So just to finish my thought, then I'll throw it on to you. I think you're getting a big discount on one of the safest quarterback one candidates in the dynasty landscape at quarterback 15 outside of the top four rounds in ADP. I'll stake my reputation that uh, Dak finishes as a top 10 quarterback in points per game. I feel kind of like a coward now that Trey has said Kirk Cousins will be top six. Um, but you know what? That's where I'm staking my reputation, and I think we're all going to feel silly for letting him slip into the fifth round of startups. All right. So you mentioned the personnel, and especially the personnel in the running game, right? Like I agree, Pollard's kind of the only running back in the room. Uh, if that turns into an issue, we know that that's an easy problem for them to fix, right? Like Kareem Hunt still out there somewhere, Leonard Fournette still bouncing around somewhere, right? But um, I think more importantly. I'm going to project how good a defense is going to be again and talk about that Cowboys defense, right? Because they they were one of the best in the league last year. And I think that Mike McCarthy is probably of that generation to where he's going to want to keep the score low, let the defense do their job, get the ball back into the offense's hands and and kind of run the ball in order to you know do that boomer ball kind of style. So I, I think that risk is still there for sure. And we also have to recognize that Prescott had something like 15 picks last year. Uh, that's, you know, still bouncing around the world as well. And, you know, I think that there's probably some Mike McCarthy trying to limit those those mistakes as well. I'm sure. Um, I don't know that I, I totally believe all that. And I think looking at the rank, I'm above keep trade cut on Dak Prescott as well. I think I've got him a spot higher, um, but I'm just playing a little bit of devil's advocate there with um, the, your Dak ranking. Tarek, I like your Dak ranking, man. I got him at quarterback 12. I think that he is going to do work this year. And really, the the question that I have for most people is, would they rather have one of these rookies or would they rather have Dak Prescott? Because I feel like that's the conversation that, that we all have, according to our ranks, where I would take Anthony Richardson a, 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 excuse me, ahead of Dak Prescott but I would take Dak ahead of Bryce and C.J. Stroud, as where Trey has all three of the rookies ahead of Dak because he likes the upside and the age discount, I'm sure. I, yeah, I have two of the three rookies yeah, exactly. ahead of Dak, too. So I'm not, I, I'm not saying necessarily. That's why I said you know he's one spot behind Jordan Addison, right? It's, it's when you take like the dynasty landscape as a whole, not necessarily just the quarterback ranks. I think Dak Prescott is a big value right now. Um, and I and I feel very confident that he's going to be a quarterback one this year. Yeah, my whole point of bringing that up is that there's going to be opportunity for Dak Prescott to to join your fantasy team, because if you're making a run, this is a classic rebuilder for a contender trade here. One of these rookies for Dak Prescott. Yeah, it, for sure. It's going to be a trade that happens, and why not be the first to it? I, I really think that like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are going to take time. And yeah. if you want a quarterback one, like Tark mentioned, I think that as I rank Dak as a quarterback one, I think he's going to be a quarterback one too. So get him now and then go get Bryce and Stroud later. Yeah. Before we move on, I think it's maybe just to emphasize that point. You do need to trade for him now before the season starts. If you believe in Prescott, because the, the rankings will change when he's scoring points and, and mm-hmm. young and Stroud aren't. Yeah. Fair enough. I think that his ceiling's probably nine though. Right. Without the, the rushing. So, I, well, I think his, his, 
upside is a little bit higher than quarterback nine. I think his median range of outcomes. What I'm saying here is like a low end quarterback one. Um, but we'll see. Like he can he can have a Tua year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like what Tua had last year. Um, I think he's a, a solid, a very good NFL passer. No doubt. All right. Uh, we are over 30 minutes in and we've only gotten through one position. So we got to keep it moving Energy here. This up. Is, this is going to be a long episode. It's it's just going to be a long episode. So let's move on to the tight ends. Trey, who's your reputation tight end? All right. So my reputation tight end is the tightest of ends out in Denver, Greg Dulcich. And I, I do think that this might be, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, this might be our unanimous uh, reputation pick oh, of yeah. the, this year. Uh, Dulcich is currently my tight end 10. That is five spots higher than keep trade cut. He's got him at tight end 15 going back to his rookie year last season. Uh, he was number 13 in the league in target share number seven in the league in air yard share, uh, number 15 in expected fantasy points per game. And unfortunately number 23 in yards per route run. I attribute a lot of that to the struggles of Russ Wilson and the rest of that offense last year. But First off, uh, his ranking right now on best ball underdog is number 12 ADP. So there's absolutely no way he should be lower than number 12 on keep trade cut as a young second year player. So that's the first thing that's wrong with this market ranking. But second, I, I'm liking the the noise that we're hearing out of Broncos camp right now about this guy. We've heard Sean Payton talk about him during the offseason, calling him uh, the Joker role of this offense. I don't know exactly what that means or what to expect from that. But I like that, you know, they're talking them up. And I also think that if you look at last season, if in the the situation that Dulcich was in, I think there's a really strong reason to believe that uh, coaching was kind of a main contributing factor in the struggles last year. And that Russell Wilson may not be 100% toast. This offense could bounce back. So I think there's upside there just kind of built in systematically around Dulcich. Also factor in the competition for targets. I think his number one competition is Jerry Judy, who has never really been a target share machine in his first several years in the league. So the upside is there for Greg Dulcich to be the number one target option in this offense. Like that, that outcome is within the range of outcomes. So I'm projecting a big second year jump for him. I think he will be a top eight dynasty tight end by next offseason. And that is about seven spots higher than his current keep trade cut rank. Yeah, Trey, I agree with you. There's one thing that pissed me off about the first preseason game, and that was Adam Troutman, I guess, is on the on the snow donkeys here. And he, he ran more routes. And, and I was like, oh, man, you know, he's Sean Payton's guy. That's that's annoying. But I'm just kidding, dude. I don't care about that. I, yeah, I, I mean, think that, me personally, I wouldn't worry about the backup getting snaps in uh, preseason. Uh, no, no, I, I, I'm really not. I, I don't think that uh, Sutton or Mims or even Judy, I, I think P. Ryan is probably also in line for like the number one re- receiver here because we also saw that O-line is in trouble here, too. So we should be expecting a lot of short passes. And if you play PPR, Greg Dulcich is your guy anyway. So it still will still wheels up for me. I agree with you, man. I like Greg Dulcich. I like him as a top 10. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it simple. Adam Troutman is a blocker. Greg Dulcich was an 84% route participation guy as a rookie when he played. Uh, Greg Dulcich is the pass catching tight end 
in Denver. There's absolutely no debate about it, in my opinion. All right, Mitch. Uh, yes, that is consensus, Trey. Uh, let's move on to your reputation tight end. All right. I am staking my reputation that Mark Andrews will close the gap to Travis Kelsey this year and take the crown of tight end one in points per game over the next three years. The reason I have three years on the table is because, well, there will be a lot of changes in this time frame when it comes to the NFL tight end landscape. Kelsey will be 100 years old. Brock Bowers will be in the NFL. Pitts might have broken out again. Hawk might have something to say about all this. But the one thing I know is that Mark Andrews is the consistent and that he is going to be the tight end one. And I think that you're going to get a similar advantage to the huge advantage that you got last year with Kelsey on your team. Andrews had 17.7 points per game in 2021 when he was the tight end one. And I have all the confidence they can duplicate these numbers with Lamar Jackson back here or even get close to that 18.6 that Kelsey had last year. I don't think that Zay Flowers is going to command more targets than Mark Andrews. I do think that he will open things up for him. So uh, it's just wheels up. There might not be any Kool-Aid for you guys to drink after all of this because I've had it all. But I have Mark Andrews number one. Keep Trade Cut has him number two. You guys have him number two. But the real value is in startups right now. According to Bulletproof ADP, Mark Andrews is consistently the third tight end off the board. Kelsey goes as the first pick in the third. Pitts, the sixth pick in the third. And Andrews is going around the 10th pick. And that's consistent where I've seen him go in my personal startups. So I don't know. It doesn't seem that bold to have Mark Andrews as a reputation player. But when we're splitting hairs here, I think there's an immense value to be had. And I think that getting Mark Andrews later than Pitts and Kelsey's big advantage. So, so it, if I can just tease that out, dude, are yeah. you saying he will be the tight end one next year? I'm saying that over the next three years, he will be the tight end one points per game. Okay. Like if you take the next three years and mush them together. Like he um, will outscore in every other tight end over that time period for the next three years. And and yeah, I I, I don't see any issue with that. I think that would probably be my choice as well. And that's important, right? If you're building a dynasty roster, you kind of got to look at these two to three year windows here. Yeah. And if there's a, a safer bet, like, sure, Kelsey, you know, that's probably like the the redraft safest bet. But like, say your team's not really ready this year and they're ready next year, then, then Andrews is going to be a much better player for your roster anyway. So I've actually explored a few trades. I've tried to trade Kelsey straight up for Andrews. And in both situations, I was actually declined. So... I think that people are getting privy to this, but yeah, I don't know. Tarek, what do you think, man? Yeah. I mean, to, to that last point is just endowment effect. Like whoever you have is the person that you're going to value the highest. So, right. Um, but I, I mean, we've talked a lot this off season about to Todd Monken coming to the Baltimore Ravens and how that's really going to open up the passing game, uh, for that offense. And we know Lamar Jackson is an underrated passer, so I, I don't dislike this take. I have Kyle Pitts as my tight end one, and I'm going to continue to have Kyle Pitts as my tight end one, even if he has a similar year this year that he had the last two years, which is, have been very good. Um, but that's just, you know, a function of age, uh, a function of, you know, taking a couple of different things into account. Uh, but when it comes to like who's going to score the most points over the next three years, 
I yeah, I mean, I it's hard to disagree with Mark Andrews given what we've seen uh, over the last several years. He's very good. And 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 there is a distinction between I bet this guy is the leading tight end scorer of the next three years and ranking him behind Kyle Pitts in your your dynasty rank because there is this asymmetric upside that Kyle Pitts becomes like the next god tight end and there's reasons to think that maybe Mark Andrews wouldn't have that same necessarily like ceiling that that Pitts has but um you know I mean I see you shaking your head we we have seen him do it before but I mean there's an athletic element to what Pitts brings to the table that, you know, maybe there's something else out there to unlock. Yeah, I, I won't argue with that. I will say, though, if you're trying to win championships, you're going to prefer Mark Andrews over the next three years. And that's that's kind of like where this flag is being planted, because it's like, yeah, sure. In three years, I'll take Pitts. Sure. I'll take I him. think if you're trying to win championships over the next three years, you're going to prefer Mark Andrews for a year. That is the bet that I'm making is you're going to prefer Mark Andrews for a year. And then you're going to prefer Kyle Pitts after All that right, for, eight, eight, for eight of them. I don't, I don't hate it that much, Marles. I like it. To be no, continued. I don't hate it either. I don't hate it, but <laughs> I I'm saying, like you, like, damn it. No. I'm saying, <laughs> no, I, no, I'm taking fundamental issue with the idea of like, if you want to win championships over the next three years, you'll prefer Mark Andrews over Kyle Pitts. I think by year three, it's going to be firmly Kyle Pitts. So we we can we can we can firmly revisit Brock that Bowers, in, but whatever, dude. We can revisit that in 2026. Heard that. All right, uh, let's go on to my tight end, and my reputation tight end this year is going to be Darren Waller. Um, so Darren Waller, he's my tight end seven, tight end nine on keep trade cut. He uh, moved from the Raiders to the Giants this offseason, was traded there. He's available in the beginning of the ninth round per Bulletproof's ADP. Um, he hasn't played a complete NFL season since 2020, and in that year, uh, he was tied in two in points per game, and since then, he's been uh, a little disappointing, so still putting up tight end, one num- tight end one numbers, but he's been missing a good amount of time due to injury, and it's not like the gaudy numbers that we saw back in 2019 and 2020. So why am I in on the 31-year-old here uh, to be my reputation tight end? Well, I believe Brian Dayball brought him over to be Danny Dimes' best friend. I think we know that this New York Giants offense runs through the middle area of the field, and I think that's where Darren Waller is going to dominate. Training camp reports, for what it's worth, they've been pretty consistently glowing that Darren Waller is the number one pass-catching option in the offense. I'll go ahead and use that to confirm my priors. But I just think he's really good when he's healthy. Yeah, he's about to turn 31. But if I'm contending, I'm trading guys like Pat Fryermuth for him straight up. I'm trying to get something on top of Waller for Dalton Kincaid, things like that. So I will stake my reputation that Darren Waller is a top six tight end in points per game this year. And in redraft, I will take him over Goddard, Kittle, and Pitts. Damn, dude. I'm over here like, is there a league that that you have Kincaid and I have Waller, but <laughs> n- no, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I really like Waller this year, very specifically this year. Mm-hmm. And as I misjudged last episode, he's only 30. So he very much could be Danny Dimes' guy for the next two years. And the, the giants though, they've, they've been drafting, they've been drafting wide receivers. They, they drafted Wandale Robinson in the third last year and Jalen Hyatt in the, 
or no, the second last year, and Jalen Hyatt in the third this year. Um, so, like, clearly they're trying to build something there. But, yeah, I, I think that Waller is that stopgap, that, like, that this year guy. So I I like him this year. I, I don't know about his health, and I don't know about his, like, value going forward to next year. I think that that's where I get hung up is that I worry that he's just like I'm buying high right now if I buy him I I almost want to wait. In the ninth round of a startup? Yeah, I don't think you're buying high? high right now at all. I think I think the reason his price is what it is is because of the the injury concerns around this guy. Like I have I have no issue at all with saying he is like the top pass catching option in that offense. I think you can bank on that um definitely to start out the year. Uh, I, I think there's just risk, right? Like there's risk associated with his injury profile and his age. Um, and that's why he's coming at a discount. If you're up for that risk, like Tarek is, then I love this pick. Yeah. The guys around him aren't that exciting. So in a startup, you know, you have guys like Devon A. Chain right next to him. You have guys like James Cook, Michael Mayer, Dalvin Cook, Kendra Miller. So like, well, yeah, so, okay. hang on. So you you said a tight end in there, right? So yeah, I did. Him, I, him versus Michael Mayer, like obviously, you know, there's no comparison, right? It's the rookie versus like the the old vet, right? But oh, um, I'm giving it to you. I agree that he's a value over them. I I guess like where I was coming from is that I I'm guess I'm looking at leagues that are already established, uh, not necessarily the value in a startup. So like. With tight ends, it's tricky because if you're going to trade for a tight end, you usually have to replace that player's tight end because I'd imagine Waller is going to be their starting tight end. All in all, I'm just trying to say is that that I've had a difficult time acquiring Waller this offseason, and I was wondering if you had any other suggestions for acquiring him, Tarek. Yeah, I mean, go pay like uh, a second and, you know, uh, a player like, Luke Musgrave or something like that. You know, like I like Luke Musgrave a lot, but I I would definitely like tear up from Musgrave with a second to go get Darren Waller. Um, I would definitely trade Dalvin Cook, you know, or Kendra Miller to go get Darren Waller. Like I would have no issues with any of that. Um, so I, I I mean, what let me let me phrase it like this because I think it's maybe my hottest take here was that in redraft, I would take him over Dallas Goddard, George Kittle and Kyle Pitts. What, what do y'all think about that? Because if y'all, if y'all are, if y'all think that's reasonable, then I think we can end the discussion there because if that's reasonable, then that means he's a great value pick for contenders. Kind of, kind of, I mean, tight end and redraft. The, the problem is here, it's only a one year commitment. So you can make that commitment to Waller. You know, it's way easier making a one year commitment to Darren fucking Waller than it is making a dynasty commitment, dude. It's just that this is a weird comparison for me because there's just so much more weight where like, okay, say Darren Waller flames out this year. Well, he's fucked. That's a really that's a really long way of saying they're all in the same tier. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, if if Darren Waller does flame out this year, like his value is going to suffer for sure. I will give you that. Um, I just don't believe that's going to happen. I think he's a top six tight end in points per game this year, and I'm not scared of the injury concerns. Scared money don't make money. All right, let's move on to the wide receiver position. Trey, who's your reputation wide receiver? 
Tyreek Hill. Maybe you guys have heard of him. Is my Ranged. reputation wide receiver? He's currently wide receiver seven in my ranks. That is three spots ahead of keep trade cut. Who has him at wide receiver 10 going back to last season. The dude absolutely balled out of control in Miami. Uh, 31.6% target share. That was good for number two. He was also number four in the league in air yard share. Number six in the league in expected fantasy points per game. And number one in the league with 3.38 yards per route run. That's pretty good. He is uh, 29 and a half years old. And listen, part of this bet was because I picked Tua last year and I didn't want to pick Tua again. So I'm <laughs> going to take his wide receiver one instead. And look, I I want to call out a couple names here because I'm comparing my ranks to keep trade cut. And so the three names on keep trade cut that are ahead of Hill that I disagree with are Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, his teammate, and Amon Ross St. Brown. So obviously all three of those players are much, much younger than Tyreek Hill is, right? So maybe more attractive to your rebuilding roster or whatever. But I think Hill to me is the most obvious competition in the whole NFL to that wide receiver one overall spot that Justin Jefferson currently holds. I think this year it's between Hill and Jefferson for the wide receiver one in the league. So if you have one of those younger wide receivers on your team, Jalen Waddle, Amon Ross St. Brown, Devontae Smith, I think that moving off of one of those dudes for Tyreek Hill is a great way to put your team over the edge for contending in 2023 this season. Obviously, you need to get that deal done before the season starts. Add some pieces to that deal to make it make sense for your squad. But that's the actual advice I want you to take away from this. My bet, my reputation is on Tyreek Hill repeating as a top three scoring wide receiver. Love it. I, I mean, I have Tyreek Hill behind Amon Ross St. Brown, but I have them in the same tier, so I'm not going to fight you on it. Um, I think Amon Ross St. Brown, just the age and what he's been able to do through the first two years just makes me want to kind of edge that way in uh, your you know top of the bell curve dynasty team. Um, but for a contender, like it's, 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 it's probably not even close. Um, so is it, I don't know, man. So this is where I get hung up. I agree. I agree with everything except for Amon Ross St. Brown, because I'm not afraid of JMO. I'm not afraid of Jamison Williams. I'm, I'm not. And who else is there to stop Amon Ross St. Brown? Like he's already showed us a, a few times that he's it's not necessarily like, like who is there to stop a Monroe St. Brown. It's more like who the fuck is going to stop Tyreek Hill, you know, from okay, being a baller all right. for a, the next this few was, years. I, I think Tyreek is going to have higher PPG for a year, but that's it. And I think a Monroe's just got such a bigger horizon for the next like five years that he's going to be the man. So like, I, I like Tyreek this year. I would take him and redraft ahead of Amon Ra, but I don't think that it's like a huge difference maker. I think that Amon Ra is going to be close. Dude, I, well, hang on. I, yeah, I mean, that is the crux of it because if you're saying Tyreek Hill ends the year wide receiver six, Amon Ra St. Brown ends the year wide receiver seven, sure, bad trade. Obviously, based on age gap alone, I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying Tyreek Hill is the wide receiver one or one B to Justin Jefferson and Amon Ra St. Brown and these other guys. If you have them on your dynasty squad, you're paying that age premium, which mm. honestly, guys, that's that's a little bit focusing on the downside. I'm playing for upside and championships with this suggestion yeah. here. I mean, it's like Tyree Kill outscored Amon Ross St. Brown by nearly four points per game last year, which is significant, right? That's, that's significant, like the, dif yeah. 
that's the difference between like a solid wide receiver one and like a weak winner for you. Right. So again, I think I'm straddling the middle here a little bit because I do have a Monroe St. Brown because of the, you know, six year age difference. I do have a Monroe St. Brown in the same tier, but ahead of Tyreek Hill. At the same time, I completely understand what Trey is saying, and that's why all of us are ahead of market, I think, on Tyreek Hill. Well, and if if Morals, if you're agreeing with two out of the three names that I said for trade candidates, then I'll, I'll call that a win, man. Yeah. I, look, man, like I said, Amon Ra is just, it, I got hung up because he's so young and so talented and Tyreek's almost 30, and that matters in Dynasty. But man, like... Even still, like the impact of trading for Amon Ra for a contender versus the impact of trading for Tyreek for a contender, I, I feel like it's closer to me than it is to you. But I see what you mean where those those extra six points or four points or whatever could could definitely win a game when it matters. So I, I'm with you to an extent. I'm just like, I don't know. I, I look at more than than just this year, I guess. Are you overstating the risk of 2024 then, right? Because if Hill balls out again this year and you know, these, guys, next these year? guys are like wide receiver twos this year again, and I know St. Brown was better than that, but you get my point. You know, like let's let's cross that bridge when we get there, right? We've got a whole other offseason to get to that point. And, and this is a bet on trying to win in 2023. The last perspective I'll throw on this though is that I feel like with you bringing this up, it's like Tyreek is is definitely going to make you some some value this offseason if you sell him. And I don't know if he's going to do the same next year when he's another year older. Yeah. And and so, okay. I mean, let's let's run that with that because you don't sell him now, right? You sell him like halfway through the year when he is like a top three receiver again. Um, and then, yeah, if the market is low on him again next offseason, I'll just be buying him again next offseason, you know? Like just ride <laughs> ride that train off into the sunset. All right, we're we're splitting here as hairs here, and I I agree with you mostly. So I'll, I'll lay off the gas. All right, now you guys get to go with your young, sexy uh, second year players. <laughs> All right, Mitch. Well, Trey teed us up really well there. Who's your reputation wide receiver? Well, it's a young, sexy sophomore named Chris Olave, wide receiver six, and that's my ranking. By the way, if I, I guess I have to justify this. In order to justify this ranking, I think he needs to post a wide receiver one season in points per game and make Mike Thomas that wide receiver two in that offense. And we've seen Derek Carr. He's plenty capable of getting the ball to stud wide receivers. But if that doesn't work out and the car crashes and burns, the, the fantasy superstar and Mr. Krabs himself, Jameis Winston, can get the job done. So... I'm betting my reputation that Olave enters fantasy stardom at some point this season. And taking a look at last year, according to player profile, Chris Olave was number three in air yard share with a pretty staggering 40.8%, number 20 in targets at 119 targets, and number 25 in points per game at 13.2. And he only had four touchdowns. All this while playing football with Randy Dalton at QB for the most part. So I think this offense gets better this year with Alvin Kamara only missing three weeks for suspension. Mike Thomas, um, yeah, I, I, I'm confident in this offense moving in the right direction. And I'm ahead of market considerably here, even if, even though wide receiver eight is where he is on keep trade cut. Having him at six, it, 
I, I wanted to point out that this, this puts him ahead of Drake London, Amon Ra, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, players like that. And it's the expectation is there. So, um, yeah, I drafted him above market in every startup that I was in pretty much, except for TLG4, where he fell a bit below the bulletproof ADP of the 11th pick in the second round. Uh, Rob and I snagged him at the 3.3. But if I'm not super fortunate and didn't snag him like that in a startup, I'm trying to trade uh, DK Metcalf, Cooper Cups, Devontae Adams, DJ Moore, uh, players like that for Chris Olave, players that have this season value, uh, trying to tack on a pick there to get my guy. Um yeah, I, I think that this is the year. I think that he breaks out, and he's mentioned amongst the likes of Jamar Chase and fellas like that. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's wide receiver eight on Keep Trade Cut right now, mm-hmm. so I'm right there with you, Marles. I've got him as my wide receiver six. Uh, I mean, he's somebody I've been super high on after he put up uh, those numbers he did his rookie year. Um, so I've heard some people kind of compare him to Garrett Wilson. Obviously, they'll be compared to each other both coming out of Ohio state for the rest of their careers, probably. But, um, Garrett Wilson was just the more capable ball handler, like able to do more, uh, with the football and like with yards after the catch. Uh, whereas Chris Olave was a little bit more of like a deep threat, high a dot, not really making a ton of guys miss with the ball in his hands. So, um, I get that that might be like a potential limitation to his game, but if he is as, uh, a technical of a route runner and as you know, fast and explosive as we saw last year, then um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you here on the, the ranking for sure. Yeah. I like it. I mean, I I'm a huge fan of Chris Olave. Um, so I, I think, you know, I have him with market at wide receiver eight, but I could get him as high as wide receiver five. Honestly, if I, if I could, I could talk my way into him being up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like the the rookie year peripherals were excellent. He was like, you know, a top 12 draft pick in the NFL. So, but let me kind of tease out what you said here. You're saying in order to just in order to justify this ranking, he needs to be a wide receiver one this year. So that's what you're you're thinking is going to happen. He's going to be a wide receiver one. Well, yeah, because you can't rank him ahead of guys like Tyreek without saying that he's going to be eventually up there in the top like in the top 12 wide receivers he has to be a wide receiver one if not this year he, it has to be for a chunk of this year so say he doesn't right, start off right. that well whatever who cares but like if the second half of the year he's not a wide receiver one then i'm in trouble because i have him ranked so high i took him over a bunch of players like if he's not showing signs in the right direction then obviously like this this ranking is a little too high is all I'm saying. I'm not going to feel bad. I really like what you said there. Like he needs to be a wide receiver one for like a solid chunk of this year. And if he doesn't like finish as a wide receiver one, because there was some turbulence with the team or something like that, then, you know, I think, I think you could still stand behind this ranking here, Mm -hmm. um, especially given like the peripherals he has. And, you know, I think that actually leads me really well into my reputation wide receiver, and it's going to be Drake London, who I have talked about all offseason. So everybody stand back, you know, let me cook. I clearly have a type when it comes to receivers on the reputation player list. Year one, it was Brandon Ayuk. 
year two, it was Elijah Moore. And now in year three, it is Drake London. So guys, I love me. I deeply love me some highly drafted receivers who showed flashes of elite potential in their rookie year. And between Ayuk Moore and London, I think London is the the best of them. So Drake London, he's currently wide receiver 15 in bulletproof ADP, wide receiver 13 on keep trade cut. I've got him at wide receiver seven. So I have him in the same tier as Olave, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Tyree Kill, and pretty much near the top of that tier. I do have him one spot ahead of Chris Olave. He's my most rostered player across my dynasty leagues at 50% exposure. So I'm very bought into him. As we know, he was drafted eighth overall by the Falcons last year. He just turned 22. He was 21 his entire rookie year. And in his rookie year, he was number five in target share, over 29%. Number two in target rate. So when he was on the field, he got the ball 32.4% of the time. And he had 2.4 yards per route run, which is stellar as a rookie. So his peripherals, they're just as good. And in a lot of ways, or at least a few ways, they're better than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And both of them are considerably more expensive in your dynasty leagues. Now, the 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 big red flag here is outside of the top 40 in points per game because of that, you know, dismal Falcons offense. But I think we expect that to, you know, improve Desmond Ritter and Arthur Smith like that offense doesn't project to be ideal in 2023, but I think it's going to be improved. And the fact that he's 22 and that in general, we're way worse at projecting situations than we think we are. I just think that he's going to continue dominating when he's on the field in year two. And I think we see his points per game improve significantly to where he's like in that wide receiver two range. And so basically with his production peripherals improving from wide receiver number 40 something in points per game to like wide receiver top 16 to 18, I think that's going to vault his value up to borderline like top five wide receiver in 2024. So that's kind of like where I'm staking my reputation. And it's kind of why I wanted to hammer home what you were thinking with Chris Olave, Mitch, because I don't necessarily think that Drake London has to finish as a top 12 receiver to justify my rank of him as wide receiver seven. I think he just got to hit that like mid range wide receiver, two points per game in that like Jalen Waddle territory, but with those incredible market share peripherals. Yeah, man. I, I don't think that he has to finish, but I think that he will. I think that you're understating how much that Bijan Robinson is going to open up that offense. Arthur Smith functioned with Derrick Henry like an engine at the running back position. I think that Desmond Ritter is only going to benefit from this, and this is going to open Drake London up. So if you didn't take Drake London, he was going to be my immediate choice. So I agree with you in the value, too. Like, I think that where he's going in a startup, I'm excited. I'm just like, why is he still here? So... Yeah, man, I, I'm excited for Drake London this year. He was my wide receiver one in that draft class pre, uh, pre-draft process. So like, yeah. definitely like high on the talent. I just, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not as worried as you are. I'm not throwing the hedge on there. I think that he's, that he's doing it this year. Yeah, and I, this might be one where he could argue with Greg Dulcich for the unanimous pick uh, across TLG. You guys both have him at seven. I'm, I have him at wide receiver eight. So we're all quite a bit ahead of market on Drake London. Um, I like everything you said. Uh, the only thing I'll add in is uh, 
I'm hearing some love for that offensive line in uh, Atlanta. So hmm. I'm also hearing a lot of love for them as sort of the division uh, favorites. Darling. Right. So if they're winning that division, if they're kind of controlling uh, that division and, and, you know, taking care of games, then that means there's going to be touchdowns come in uh, Drake London's way where he didn't get those last year. And there's a lot of potential positive touchdown regression coming for this dude, too. Yeah, I love me some Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he's amazing. Universally valued ahead of Drake London right now. Terrible. Let me just say, it's let me just say, let me cook. <laughs> Wrong. It's bad. Just, just keep that in mind. Any, any, so, you know, I'll get off my soapbox now, but yeah, go buy Drake London at wide receiver 15. It's insane. Okay. Uh, I think we've got through three of the four positions, so let's end on everybody's favorite. The running back position, Trey, take take it and run. All right. I'm going to take Marl's reputation player from 2022 and make him my reputation running back in 2023. That's J.K. Dobbins. Mitch, you were just one year early, dude. That's I know. All it, it, it happens. It you, happens. <laughs> you were one year premature. Listen, you can have him. Dobby, Dobby's my RB14. I have him eight spots ahead of keep trade cut right now. I am uh, assuming that that is because people are worried that he's going to hold out and like miss some time or something uh, because I can't figure out why his rank would be so low. Otherwise, look, I know. OK, I guess I guess maybe people are looking at last year, right? Like 10.2 points per game. He only played half the year. Maybe that's scaring some people off. I get it. But he's literally coming off that massive knee injury. And even as he was in that ACL tear recovery, he was still one of the most efficient runners in football 5.7 yards per touch that was good for top 10 in the nfl number nine uh, i just think he's hashtag good at football and we've talked about todd Munkin enough already that spread offense should generate more scoring opportunities for the whole offense and that includes the lead running back jk dobbins uh this bet staking my reputation on him to be fully recovered from the injury establishing himself as an rb1 option in dynasty so if you go back to last year, the RB12 uh, in points per game was Leonard Fournette with 14.2 in a PPR format. I'm going to pencil in J.K. Dobbins to hit that number. I'm going to say he hits the 14.2 uh, PPR points per game this year. And by next offseason, he is ranked as a top 12 running back. Uh, keep trade cut, bulletproof, wherever you get your ranks. I'm not going to argue at all, man. I I'm sad that I was a year early, but I'm happy that you took him. Because I wasn't going to take him again, man. And it's not because he burned me. He's uh, one spot lower for me than he is for you. He's running back 16. Or no, 15. Nice. Uh, but he's 14 for you. So, yeah, I, I, he's in the same tier. I, I love the Ravens offense. If Honestly, like, from Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews to J.K. Dobbins, I'm going to have so many shares of all of these guys, and I do, I think this offense is about to come alive. We were all a year early with all of these guys just getting banged up. Last year was kind of an anomaly, and I think that this is when that offense just clicks. So, yeah, man, wheels up for J.K. Dobbins with you there. Love it. Yeah, I have him ahead of consensus as well at running back 15, uh, so I'm right there with you all. I, I don't think I need to junk up this conversation uh, with with more agreement. So, Mitch, let's move on to your running back reputation well, how about a little disagreement then no i i don't know maybe you guys will agree i have deandre swift 
as my new favorite player, actually. Buy me a jersey, ladies and gentlemen, and <laughs> fly, Eagles, fly. I'm staking my reputation on DeAndre Swift, taking that leap. And I've been really aggressive in my acquisitions this offseason. He's easily been my most targeted player. And I'm confident that he carves out a role on that offense. And a role is really all he needs to be a top 12 running back in points per game. In fact, like even as disappointing as he's been at times, he's only missed three games each year. Although it's at least three games each year if you want to look at it that way. But uh, his rookie year, he was 15. He was number 15 in points per game number eight as a sophomore, and then number 15 again last year in points per game. Swift was number three in points per opportunity last year and number two in yards per touch at 6.3. Swift was number eight in true yards per carry at 4.9. And all I'm trying to say is that the dude is a fucking beast and he's about to crush it on the Eagles offense and sprinkle in some more passing work like he's been apparently getting in camp. You got to watch out, guys. Swift is how I plan on winning leagues this year, period. I am worried about Penny a bit. I've mentioned that in previous podcasts, but I think that Swift is going to get the initial lead back role. I'm not worried about Kenneth Gainwell. I'm not worried about Scott uh, or anybody else, really. Um, So right now, in relation to market, DeAndre Swift is running back 27 on keep trade cut. But the bulletproof wow. ADP is a little different. He's running back 19. Makes a lot more sense to me. I have him at running back 16. But, yeah, keep trade cut running back 27 is fucking stupid. Yeah, and keep trade cuts a little bit cuts off there. They're so reactive. It, it, it's, it's all coming from, you know, basically like Swift and Penny playing in the preseason game and Gainwell not playing and being, you know, listed atop the depth chart and all that. I do want to ask y'all like how y'all are digesting that news. Mitch already said that he's not worried about Kenneth Gainwell. Trey, uh, did did any of that noise that's been like the big topic on Twitter the last couple of days around the Eagles backfield worry you about Swift? Uh, nothing that happened in the last five to seven days changed my opinion about this backfield. I think that Mm -hmm. Swift is arguably the most talented of the group. I also think Rashad Penny is arguably the most talented of the group and Kenneth Gainwell is the guy they know. Uh, So it's fine if, you know, at this stage of the off season, they're making the new guys like prove it versus the guy they know like that. That's fine. You know, teams do that every year, stupidly, whatever. Yeah. Um, Look, I, I mean, I'm I'm with Bulletproof. I'm ahead of Keep Trade Cut. I'm not exactly a Swift hater. He is actually a former reputation player of mine as well. Uh, I do think. Oh yeah. I do we think. Traded. I do think though that like him, basically being traded from the Lions and them like letting go of him essentially for Jameer Gibbs is a sign for concern. Like that is a red flag that the team was like, you know what, let's take this rookie over the guy we know. I, from what we've seen on the field, he's been pretty effective with the ball in his hands. I don't know if he's ever going to necessarily be like the every down workhorse, but if he can come in and kind of play that Alvin Kamara role in an offense that, you know, is, is relatively efficient scoring a lot of points, then yeah, I mean, he's a value at his current price for sure. Well, the Eagles score a lot of points, man, and he's taking a step up from that Lions offense. Plus, like you mentioned, like he really just needs, as I said, uh, like Alvin Kamara touches, 14 touches. Give him 14 touches, and that man is going to put up insane numbers. 
Um, yeah. Let, let, I, me, uh, let me give, let me give JJ Zacharyson some love because I talk about him on this pod from time to time. Uh, Swift is now playing with a mobile quarterback, right? And, and Jalen hurts has a propensity to running it in himself in the end zone and running it himself instead of hitting his check down pass. So that, that is the concern when you have a, a running back like Deandre Swift, there's ADP data that Zacharyson points to that bears that out. Even with knowing all that I'm with or ahead of market on the dude right now. Last thing to say to that, he was getting like four touches a game in Detroit <laughs> and still fucking put up number 15 in points per game. So like, I don't care about Jalen Hurts. That's only a slight exaggeration too. He was, yeah. he's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Very explosive with the ball in his hands. He is, he is a talented player. It's just, is he going to get the workload? Like, is he going to get 14 Give touches per game? Give him a fucking load, man. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a load. But I think there's question there. Like, I have him running back 17. I'm ahead of market as well. But I think that you're you're understating the risk that he he could get buried. There's a lot of risk, man. I, I, there really is. And that's why, like, that's why I said Rashad Penny. Like, that's a name that I also would suggest going to get just in case. Yeah. Especially if you can't get Swift in a league, then go get an insurance policy out on him instead. Like totally. It's just good business. Totally. Yeah. I'm and I'm I've been throwing darts at Gainwell too. I, I don't mind buying any of these three Eagles running backs at their current price. Gainwell, I disagree with. I think Gainwell will always have the Gainwell role. I was high on Gainwell, Trey. I, I, I think that he has a really like niche role in that offense he's the the two minute guy and and that's it though like he's not going to give you consistent fantasy points and i don't want him on any roster all right uh moving on uh so our final player we're going to talk about today is my reputation running back and everybody who has listened to this show like once over the past three months knows who it is it's ramondre stevenson (laughs) mon bay he is my reputation running back I'm in love with this guy and I want to bet on him despite the admitted fear I have about Bill Belichick's tendencies. And that is that Mon Bay will get Damian Harris once again, but instead of Damian Harris this year, it's Ezekiel Elliott. I think that's completely possible, but honestly, with the news today that Ezekiel Elliott signed in New England, I'm just going to be sending out offers for Ramondre Stevenson everywhere. So let's go over the case for Ramondre Stevenson. I think it's pretty easy to make, and then we can open up the conversation about what it means with the Ezekiel Elliott signing. So Mondre going into his third year, he's a little bit older for a third-year player at 25 years old, but the season he put together last year was pretty amazing, highlighted by that 17.3% target share and 89 overall targets. Not only that, but he's also an amazingly efficient runner. So yards per carry, dumb stat, but five yards flat is very good. But in addition to that, also near the top of the league in stats like yards created, rushing yards over expectation according to both PFF and NFL Next Gen stats in the top 10 of the league and in the top five uh, among guys who got at least 200 carries. So with Ramondre, guys his size, 230 to 240 pounds, they really should not be able to move with the dexterity that he moves with. I think he's an amazing player, and I think he's got all the tools to continue to be a running back one. Now, again, they brought in Ezekiel Elliott to replace Damian Harris, but after I, I already I wrote this down in my notes, and I'm just restating it here. I, I'll, I'm just going to buy more. I'm just going to go send out offers 
your reputation running backs, guys like DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins, give me Ramondre Stevenson for them. You know, RB1 in points per game this year. That's my reputation stake there. Uh, he's going to improve on what he did last year, continue that same opportunity share. I'm not afraid of the dust of Ezekiel Elliott. I think the risk of the Pats offense and the risk that Ezekiel Elliott is a factor and you know some of everything else going on in that situation means he's not a top six uh, running back like that's probably not going to happen. I know he does catch passes pretty pretty damn good, um, and he could you know fall into the end zone like a dozen plus times, Legarrette Blunt style, and and be uh, a top three RB or something. But I, I wouldn't bet on it. Um, I I think that a top twelve season is absolutely in the cards for this dude. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not to pile on everything else, but I wouldn't be too scared of the Ezekiel Elliott edition personally. Yeah, I'm not at all scared of that either. As we mentioned, I think that Zeke is coming for Damian Harris's vacated touches. Doesn't even want Ramondre Stevenson's touches. He don't, he don't want that shit. Um, the only thing that happens in my rankings is that Saquon goes from seven to six and Ramondre yep. goes from six to seven. That's literally the only thing that happens. And I'm with you, Tarek, in every league that we co-manage, it's like, all right, what is the offer that we're sending for Ramondre Stevenson right now? We just got rejected live on air. Uh, we offered Aaron Rodgers for Ramondre, and I sent him a little, well, what gets you over the hump there, buddy? Because uh, <laughs> like, I, that's where we are right now. You know, it's time to buy that dip. And I feel like we expected the Pats to do this. And who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, he's the 65% guy, right? Yeah, here's what I would say about the Ezekiel Elliott signing. Like, I don't know how much his value is going to dip behind, like, running back 13 to 15 that he's been in a lot of market services. I don't think it's going to dip far past that. What I think is it's going to be a lot more actionable. Like, you're going to be able to get him at that price versus before, is I we we talked about it a couple episodes ago. It's the endowment effect. Like people who have Ramondre Stevenson are not selling him for market value, whereas I think now they probably will. Yeah, and you should buy. So I, I agree with Mitch. I I had him at running back six, pretty stubbornly ahead of Saquon Barkley. Before I I let up. I put Saquon Barkley, who's amazing in his own right, over Ramondre Stevenson um, in my dynasty ranks. In any situation, go buy Saquon Barkley if you can get him for Ramondre Stevenson. <laughs> Still good. Let me be very clearly clear there. Uh, I'll, I'll let up a little bit. All right. Well, uh, I think we got through all of it, uh, clocking in in about an hour and twenty minutes. So hey, not bad. Um, not, not yeah. Bad. I think with our, our going through the quarterbacks and and being done after thirty minutes with the quarterbacks, this easily could have gone for two hours. So you know what, listener, singular listener, you're welcome for for giving you some time back. <laughs> but uh okay uh so you know keep us uh accountable to these takes last thing i want to say uh on keep trade cut right now uh naji harris is ahead of ramondre stevenson Ugh, gross if, eh. if you listen to this podcast and have naji harris on your team i want to hear about it though go trade him for ramondre should we sh- should we do a little recap to sign off here a little uh little yeah. summary for for everybody yeah let's do it all right Go go ahead, Trey. All right. So quarterback, I had Kirk Cousins. At tight end, I had Greg Dulcich. Wide receiver, Tyree Kill. 
and running back J.K. Dobbins. Those are my reputation players for 2023. Sounds good, man. My quarterback is Anthony Richardson. My running back is DeAndre Swift. My tight end is Mark Andrews, and my wide receiver is Chris Olave. All right, and my reputation quarterback is Dak Prescott. Reputation tight end is Darren Waller. Wide receiver, I got your boy Drizzy English, Drake London, and then Ramondre Monbay Stevenson is my reputation running back. Thanks, you guys, for listening to episode 92. We will see y'all soon. Uh, We're you know, a couple weeks away from, from the NFL. Let's season fucking starting, go. So let's fucking go indeed. About that Later. time. Bye guys. No, I ain't